All right, welcome to another episode of the Club and Country Podcast, a bonus episode as we get you ready for playoff soccer Monday night in Orlando. Who better to speak with than Evan Weston? Evan, the radio play-by-play voice of Orlando City, has called matches for the club on radio and or TV since 2017. Also the TV voice, by the way, of Gotham FC in NWSL. Uh, plus calling college games all the time as well. Stetson, University of Central Florida. Evan, when are you not talking about soccer? Uh, well, I guess during not soccer season. And even then, there's <laughs> European soccer going on. So I'm talking right. about that. Uh, thanks for joining an episode of Club and Country, of course, sponsored by ML Rose. By the way, if you're a fan of a good sports bar, good burgers and bourbon and beer, you should drop by ML Rose on 8th Avenue, just a couple blocks from the stadium when you're in town here for game two. That sounds pretty good. You yeah. can't go wrong in Nashville, but a great food city. Mm-hmm. No, absolutely. Uh, thanks for joining to, to chat. I reached out to you right after decision day on decision day evening. And you said, Hey, actually I was going to reach out to you and see if, if you guys <laughs> wanted to chat. So I appreciate that. Let's talk first a little bit about Orlando and the hot streak. The Lions are on the hottest streak in MLS over the last 12, just one loss in that span. Why has this team been the best in MLS in that stretch? Uh, so it, it it's sort of a longer story in that they went, and had a pretty big off season. A lot's been made about the fact that Orlando has the lowest payroll in the league, um, which is true, uh, but they did spend a lot of money on fees. So that stuff doesn't show up mm-hmm. in the, in the payroll calculations. And that's where really the majority of the Wilfs investment on the player side has gone. And so they bring in a lot of guys like Martino Heda, Ramiro Enrique, uh, Rafael Santos, Dagerdan Torhalsen. They dip into the draft again which I'm sure we'll talk about. Uh, They've had another huge hit out of that. Um, But at the beginning of the year, and Orlando played Nashville in Exploria Stadium during this period, they were just not clicking. They Mm -hmm. did not have all of the pieces together. It wasn't totally right. um, And they just never got to a point where they were functional in a way that the level of talent on the roster suggested they would. Around mid-May, They lost 2-0 to a Montreal team that was not very good. They got knocked out of the U.S. Open Cup in their first game, the tournament that they were defending. And then they went 2-0 down to Columbus on the road on May 13th. And they were getting pummeled. I mean, it could have been worse than that. And we're sitting there at halftime like, oh, man, this team could quit right here and make things really scary. And instead, they came out and played their hearts out and got a 2-2 draw. That was May 13th. They've lost three times since May 13th. Amazing. They have been the best team in MLS. They've been better than Cincinnati for the majority of the season. Cincinnati won a ton of one-goal games at the beginning of the year. I think Orlando's a better team than Cincinnati. They beat Cincinnati in Cincinnati earlier this fall. Uh, I, I think they are the best team in the league. They found a lineup that has just given them complete balance. The key to that was putting Wielder Cartagena into the starting lineup as the number six. Mm. So they were playing with Mauricio Pereira, their playmaker, a little deeper. And where he's stationed deeper, he can't quite influence the game as much going forward, but he also gives up something defensively. So the balance was just not quite there. And with Cartagena next to Cesar Araujo, who's one of the best young defensive midfielders in the league, they have two guys who give them complete freedom to send their fullbacks forward. They're to, you know, one of the teams that uses fullbacks more than anybody else. And they've given Pereira and Facundo Torres license to kind of do their thing, play a little freer up forward. And, and it's just given them a perfect balance. And the other thing that is really just to have them take off 
is put Dogger Don Torhaltson in as the right back. They weren't bad with Mikey Halliday and Kyle Smith in that position. Those guys are fine players. Uh, they're extremely valuable players to have. But Dogger Don Torhaltson as a footballer gives them a little bit more going forward. Um, he's a midfielder by trade. They spent a few months during the year converting him to right back. Oscar Pereja spent time with him personally, moving him to right back, getting him used to the position. They rolled him out as a sub a little bit, and then they took the couple of weeks after League's Cup with their very controversial elimination to Inter Miami uh, and fine-tuned it, and they unleashed it. The game there, they came back. They're 8-1-2 since they put Dogger Don Torhalsen in it right back. So they they don't have a, a weak spot on the field. There is no position where they don't have an above-average starter. And to me, that is the key. It's just it's just balance, complete uh, talent. You're, they're going to have more talent than you collectively, even if they don't have that superstar, uh, you know, that you guys are used to. You guys will have the best player on the field, but Orlando might have the second through eighth best players on the field. And that's where the success has come from. And then they just play collectively. They love their manager. Uh, they love the city. They love the club. They love each other. Um, and that's something they've always had since Oscar came in. They've never really lost that spirit. So uh, it's a complicated question. There's a lot of answers <laughs> to it. But, uh, yeah, they're they're in a really good spot going into the postseason. Well, you mentioned a lot of the things that have made them not only as good as they have been, but but what made them improve over the course of the year. What is what is the weakness? Is there is there a crack in the armor or is it just, hey, best player on the field, go go make it happen? Yeah, I think they, they're prone to um, – an individual star doing something special, but that hasn't really happened against them. I mean, again, they've, they've, they've gained, what is it? 26 points in 11 games since league's cup. Uh, their one loss was a midweek game at city field uh, against New York city, where their center forward committed a penalty trying to track back to win the ball. Um, I mean, that that's it. Their other mm -hmm. law, their draws were uh, away to Charlotte uh, on a rainy night on turf again, midweek. Uh, and then they drew Miami. That was the one really disappointing game uh, where they, they drew Miami. That was a game they should have won um, where, where Messi and, and the, the big guys didn't play. That, that was one that they should have had and didn't. But uh, for the most part, uh, they uh, their depth is great too. <laughs> They've got Martino Heda coming off the bench, a guy with 10 assists as a part-time player. Uh, they have Ramiro Enrique coming off the bench to spell Duncan McGuire, who comes on and, runs his butt off and, and you know, is, is a more technical forward that can come in. Uh, they've got Junior Urso back. He was not there at the beginning of the year. Another incredible locker room guy. Uh, I might say at center back, they had missed Antonio Carlos for the last couple of months. He had an injury uh, after League's Cup that knocked him out. But Rodrigo Schlegel, who over long periods has, has sometimes been exposed a little bit, has been phenomenal. To the point where Antonio Carlos is healthy, and I don't know who Oscar's going to play uh, because <laughs> because you know how can you punish Rodrigo uh, yeah. when his form has been so exceptional? Even though Antonio Carlos at his best is one of the better center backs in the league, so uh, I I don't know. Uh, it's it's a difficult question to answer. <laughs> uh, to be full, you know, I'm a I'm a pessimist by trade. I always tend to be you know. Listen, I'm from New Jersey. I grew up a Mets. <laughs> I I'm oh, not you. someone who goes out there predicting my sports teams are going to be great. I think Orlando is going to win MLS cup. Uh, they just have this feeling to them and it's hard to put a real dent in them at this point because we just haven't seen anybody do it. Uh, their, their one big loss really over the last several months 
that was not like a weird schedule loss was the Miami game where mm-hmm. they got a really bad referee and Messi did two messy goals and that was that. So uh, unless uh, to me, it's Hani Mukhtar is going to have to just whatever's gone wrong with him since League's Cup, he's going to have to get over because mm-hmm. I don't see a way through for Nashville beyond that. It's super challenging for Nashville. This is a matchup that on one hand, you look at two teams that have played really tight games against each other this year. If you even want to talk about what happened April 1st, and I can understand you saying, what is that? And even us saying that doesn't really mean much. Yeah, now. I think that's it's a different totally season different at this point. And, and they were in that gestational phase you're talking about. But of course, the one at Jodas Park, super tight. Uh, before I get to my next question, the, the deal, by the way, is you play Schlegels, the playoffs, the keeper might get a red card. You need a guy to step up. <laughs> <laughs> That's I was gonna right. say, speaking of goalkeepers, right? Yeah. Via via a rule that uh, doesn't you know doesn't exist anymore, which is that you can get a, a second yellow from being off the line. Uh, but but going back to the dynamic between these two teams, you know, I th- I'm of two minds here. Number one, a a series approach in the first round, you would think would favor the better team, right? They slip up in a game, but they've got higher quality. You've got, of course, that second home game available to you in game three if you need it. On the other hand, you know you do have to travel to Nashville where there was a tight. Some in Nashville would say controversial, you know, game there that could have easily been a draw or or gone differently. What do you think? How how different is that dynamic, either tactically, players' temperament, overall approach when you're looking at a series here of at least two matches versus just a one-off? This has been a fun series over the years because Orlando. Okay, so Matt Doyle said on MLS Soccer. <laughs> His line with Orlando City, and he's picking us to win it all, interestingly, hmm. is that Orlando is excellent at nothing, but bad at nothing. <laughs> and I don't think that's entirely true. They are excellent at the soft skills, at getting under your skin, mm-hmm. at irritating you. And Nashville, <laughs> for whatever reason, and I, you know, if teams take the, the personality of their manager, you know, Gary is a very honest guy. Um, Nashville seems to be particularly bothered by Orlando's <laughs> yes. sort of uh, extracurricular activities, That's so correct. to speak. Just I don't know why, <laughs> but it really does seem to get very chippy and personal between these two. I think the Halloween game a couple of years ago gave Orlando a really, really bad taste uh, when Alan Chapman stole a playoff berth from them uh, at the very end. I know there was some controversy about Duncan McGuire's goal a couple of months, uh, a couple of weeks ago. Sorry, guys, he was onside. It's the ball, not the player. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I think I think over a series where they have to play each other two or three times in a row, I don't know how that dynamic plays out. <laughs> because with Orlando, it can be in past years a double-edged sword mm-hmm. where they get too emotional, yeah. and they got knocked out of the playoffs three years ago against New England because their most mature player. Mauricio Pereira went studs up into a tackle and got himself a red card. Uh, And they just, you know, just lost their heads and New England was able to exploit that. And Nashville absolutely has the leaders and the temperament to exploit that. If that happens to Orlando, say they draw the first match and Nashville wins the shootout. And then Orlando is desperate going on the road. What, you know, what is situation are you in there? So on, on one hand, Wes, you're absolutely right. In past years, if they draw the home match and Nashville wins the shootout, it's over. You don't get another mm-hmm. chance. So that definitely favors Orlando. On the other hand, I do think they're going to have to be careful to kind of manage their emotions, keep it in control, and make Nashville the team that loses their heads rather than the other way around, uh, as we kind of saw happen earlier this month. So yeah. it, that kind of soft battle is, I think, more than in just about any other series, something that we're going to have to watch out for.
Uh, and we've seen this Nashville team kind of uncharacteristically lose its heads a few times here, here this mm-hmm. year. It's been something that Nashville's not been as known for, and, and mm-hmm. it's been interesting. I would agree. There's no love lost, it seems, from Nashville toward Orlando uh, yeah, about both, their both ways. approach. It, I was going to ask, but I was going to ask what that what that feeling is. Then the other way around, yeah. How do how do the Lions staff and players feel about Nashville? Oh yeah, I don't think they like Nashville. Um, <laughs> I, 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 Very simple. Or, yeah. Orlando fans do not like Nashville. Um, there there seems to be. Uh, I can't speak for the players and and they obviously respect Nashville's quality. And, and let's be clear, Nashville has largely had the upper hand in this, in this series over the years, including the most important game they've played against each other, the playoff game mm-hmm. a couple of years ago when we got well and truly Mukhtard and Hani mm-hmm. has until this last game completely owned us uh, over the years. And he has been that difference in quality between the two sides. But I think, Orlando fans, uh, I think a lot of fans don't like the way Nashville plays. And I don't know that Nashville actually does it intentionally where the the, the absorb and counter. Um, mm-hmm. I think it's just sort of a product of their roster. Um, and I, you guys can speak better than this. Uh, they don't seem like the, the League's Cup just seems like it absolutely ripped the lungs out of the team. Um, yeah. where they're just, they just poured their hearts and soul into that. And we were all rooting for you in that game. Don't get me <laughs> wrong. Uh, Orlando was, was highlighter yellow, uh, for, for the league's <laughs> cup final. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, 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 I just, they don't seem to have that same spark. So, uh, we'll, we'll see. I, I think you're going to, you know, get some rowdy fans. Obviously Walker Zimmerman's going to get booed. Um, Orlando fans, uh, are you know classic USMNT fans who boo the guys that become kind of the public faces of whatever went wrong with them. And for the record, I think that's completely unfair. I love Walker Zimmerman, but uh, you know they're going to do what they're going to do. Uh, <laughs> we just spoiled uh, Michael Bradley's retirement party. Duncan McGuire did not get the memo. So. <laughs> uh, yeah, we'll uh, we'll see what happens. But I think I think both atmospheres, and that's the other great thing is you've got two great soccer cities. So yeah. both atmospheres. I mean, there's going to be no. 8,000 people in the stands for a playoff game for either of these. They're going to be loud, raucous. Uh, I would imagine both sets of games will have decent away support. Uh, it's not a bad travel. I saw a, a Frontier flight to Nashville for like 40 bucks. Um, it's it's really not bad right now. So um, it should be, uh, should be something. Uh, I'm really looking forward to it. In that regard, you know, you mentioned rooting for Nashville against against Messi and Miami. Where does Nashville kind of stack up kind of in that rivalry ranking? I think from a Nashville perspective, I think you would say Atlanta, which is probably number one for Orlando as well. But Atlanta and then Cincinnati and, and possibly even Miami ahead of Orlando just because they're the expansion siblings. Where does Nashville fall in that pecking order from the Orlando perspective, do you think? Yeah, it's definitely Miami at number one for us. Um Atlanta was until Miami came in, but the problem with Atlanta, Orlando is that they've never really been good at the same time. <laughs> this is actually the first year where they've really both been quality in the yeah. same season. Uh, right when Orlando got good, Atlanta dropped off. Yeah. And so the Joseph, you know, I'm your daddy thing turned into Orlando spanking Atlanta every time out. And it has never really been quite as competitive. So I think the sand has kind of gone off of that one. I would still probably put them second. Um, Miami is the clear number one, especially now that, that Messi's there and, uh, they're getting all this attention and, and by the way, they are going to be incredible next season. Yeah. Uh, they're going to have a chance to break every record, uh, get ready. It's, it's going to be insufferable, but, 
uh, you know, they are, they are going to be number one for a while. And the in-state thing, I, I don't know, just something about that from the first game, which happened in the bubble, which was the first bubble game back. Um, and Orlando won that late in second half stoppage time. And ever since then, it's been contentious between those two teams. Um, but yeah, I'd say Atlanta next after big gap, then probably New York city, uh, expansion siblings, uh, we've played them more than any other team. We've had crazy games against them. The Schlegel game, uh, the game in, in the U.S. Open Cup where our fans ran from one end of the stadium to the other for the penalty shootout. That was great. Um, they've broken our hearts, too. Uh, so that's a that, that, I would say, is third. And then I'd probably have Nashville probably right around where Columbus is uh, in you know kind of a tie for fourth top five. Nashville has organically, in a short amount of time, really annoyed Orlando city <laughs> over the years and vice versa. I know. Uh, so it's, it's been, it's been a cool way to, you know, I think Orlando has much more with them than say like new England or Montreal or Toronto or teams they've been playing since 2015. So I think that's a testament to the, the nature of the rivalry um, and that they've, uh, they've produced some, uh, some compelling uh, contests against each other over the years. I, I can't let the uh, the mention of that U.S. Open Cup game uh, go without mentioning. I believe it was Adam Grinwis, the Michigan Wolverine and, and graduate of Forest Hill Central High School who, uh, go blue. who played in that match. Yeah. Yep. He was the he was the hero still on the roster, by the way. He's the third keeper. There we go. Uh, I will not be Googling how much younger than me is. So that would make me really depressed. Yeah, this is the week we regularly call Dax McCarty up in years and then remember uh, on air that, that he's younger than we are. Uh, Winter Park native, <laughs> Dax McCarty, coming home. Uh, and and Tim, thanks for keeping the uh, the streak alive of mentioning yeah. college sports. We are a college football <laughs> podcast, Evan, as well. So if you want to talk uh, Syracuse and their rough Yeah, no, 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 no. Don't talk about them. Uh, we got absolutely blasted by virginia tech last night it was not pretty not pretty no a, a, it was a not. team that tim covers tim you yeah well i won't tell you what my day job is <laughs> i was i was over to uh buck sixers in the second quarter so that's oh, how my night went brutal brutal so, so i want to talk a little more about the roster construction of this orlando team you mentioned a lot of things in your first answer that i think are so so juicy like these great nuggets to mine but one of them is that drafting you know, I want to know, like, is Orlando truly an elite drafting team at this point? We, we all point to the the very the skyscrapers, literally and figuratively here of Daryl DK and Doug McGuire, who absolutely stand out. Major impact. You can only imagine McGuire is going to fetch a, a great sale one of these days as well, just like DK did. Are the Lions scouting better in college than most other teams? Or are we just looking at limited examples here and, and you know, maybe, you know, simplifying the, the situation? The thing is, it's not really limited. So you go back to 2015, they drafted Kyle Aaron, who is actually the only rookie striker in MLS history who was better than Duncan McGuire. Um, he had 17 goals in 2015. That's still our best season ever. We've never had a goal score score more than that. <laughs> yeah. um, then the following year, they drafted Richie Larea, who did not work out in Orlando, but became a star with Toronto FC and the Canadian national team. Two years later, we drafted Chris Mueller, who was a terrific MLS starter for four years and is now the same with the Chicago Fire. The year after that, we drafted Kamal Miller. And I think they would tell you that their biggest regret was leaving him unprotected in the expansion draft. Only mm -hmm. reason he's not on the team still. And now he's over in Miami as a, a top player on their team. But another terrific pick. Then you had Daryl and then Duncan. So um, they, they have a consistent record. of and, and to me, it's a little bit of both. I think they do have a terrific college scouting apparatus, but it's also that 
they invest a lot in college scouting. There's a lot of teams that don't believe there's any talent in the NCAA. And Orlando resolutely disagrees with that. And I think Orlando has proven that they're exactly right, uh, that that there are players to be found in the college ranks if you know where to look and they know where to look. And they have managed to consistently get the best or second best player from just about every class. Little fun fact, they traded their pick in 2017 and their pick was used to take Julian Gressel. So we kind of <laughs> claim him too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the orlando pick there but yeah. uh yeah so so it, they they just they do put a lot of resources into it uh they believe in it as a roster mechanism you don't have to to be successful look at philadelphia who ostentatiously yeah. sells all their draft picks every year and they have a humming academy and they're phenomenal uh you don't have to do it but it's open to you and orlando i think exemplifies like why would you turn that away when you're getting players like this uh, mm-hmm. out of it. And and Maguire is, first of all, he's red hot. Uh, five goals in his last five games, uh, including the Nashville game. Uh, he doesn't need much opportunity either. He actually is a uh, bottom 30% in shots taken among MLS center forwards uh, per 90 minutes. But he puts 70% of his shots on target, which is obviously unsustainable. That's not going to last over the course of his entire career. But it does show you that when he gets his opportunities, you know, he's he's a true number nine and that he's going to make those runs. There's some link up play in there that, you know, you never think of an American striker doing. Daryl did this, too, and he's got a little bit of that sauce to him. Uh, he's a very high ranking in terms of assists and chances created per 90 minutes among center forward. So uh, he's been a phenomenal find. And it's I mean, it was first day of preseason. I mean, you, you went down there and you watched it and you could tell, oh, they did it again. I mean, it was, it was, it was, you know, evident immediately. Uh, yep. They did it again. And they got to sell their DP striker in the middle of the season without having to replace him because of a rookie um, that they, they are paying $77,000. It's just, uh, that's Orlando city in a nutshell. And, and he's a you know, fantastic kid uh, too. He's, he's taken it all uh, in stride. Um, we've been blessed that way with, with a lot of our draft picks. Uh, Daryl was phenomenal with the press and with, managing expectations chris was as well great kid so um you know we've we've had a really nice run with that and uh you know he's he's done a, a really good job keeping himself humbled uh and and you know him against walker is a tasty tasty matchup i'm sure walker's gonna want a little revenge uh <laughs> i'm i'm looking forward to it is that the matchup you're watching is, is it those two or where else on the pitch are you going to be keying as you're calling the match to, to try to determine how this thing's going Orlando has to keep the ball from getting to Hani Mukhtar. Uh, they did it extremely well in the game earlier this month where Mukhtar never got into the game. His body language was poor. He looked frustrated. Um, the middle four defenders there for Orlando, Robin Janssen, whoever they put at center back next to him, Cartagena and Araujo, not only stop Mukhtar, but by the time he gets the ball, it's too late. You have to deny the ball to him. And that's got to be the key because, as you guys know, Nashville has struggled with chance creation from central midfield and from the wings. And so if you can limit Hani Mukhtar's ability to cause chaos, I just do not see how Nashville scores a goal in any of the games because Orlando is so locked down. You've got a goalkeeper of the year nominee. Whether you like it or not, people love Pedro Galese and uh, – you know, and then Janssen, who I think people were talking about as one of the biggest snubs 
from the award finalists as a defender yeah. of the year. I voted for him. I, I, yeah, I have I a vote for MLS <laughs> and I voted for him as my, as my defender of the year. Yeah. I, I thought it was, uh, he was the one Orlando guy I voted for, for, to actually win an award. I it was, uh, it was baffling, but, uh, everybody said they voted for him and then he didn't make it. So clearly, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I think just, just, it's all about Hani Mukhtar. If they can deny him the ball, uh, and keep him from damaging them, uh, they, sh- they should breeze. Uh, but, Again, it only takes one moment to do that for 90 minutes. That's why he's the MVP. That's why he's one of the best players in MLS history, frankly. Um, It's much, much easier said than done. Is this the swan song in Orlando for Oscar Pereja? He's out of contract after the season. Do you get a sense for what the future looks like for him there when he'll clearly be in demand a lot of places around this league or maybe even elsewhere, you think? I genuinely do not know. I have no idea. Um... I it, it's kind of strange, uh, but there was a fairly fervent Oscar out movement among mm-hmm. the fans as recently as May. And now everybody is really regretting that. So if you follow the timeline of events, it actually does sort of make sense why it didn't happen. And what happens if they lose this series? Suddenly they've lost in the first round three years in a row. So I'm I'm not saying, you know, one way or the other, but I I kind of get why it's where it is. But at the end of the day, I, I honestly don't think it's as much of a distraction as people are making it out to be. Clearly, it hasn't impacted their on-field performance at all. Mm-hmm. Um, the answers from him and from Luis Muzi and from the players have been consistent the whole time. So to, to me, it, it's uh, I, I get that it's an interesting storyline from the outside. I don't know that it has all that much impact on on the locker room at this point. Now, if they get upset, it suddenly becomes the big talking point, mm-hmm. right? But uh as of now i'm i'm not uh not really keying in on that at this point yeah i mean you've talked um you know you've said that you're picking orlando to go all the way you've said that um you know you think this is the best team in mls as things stand today so i guess less so than how do you think the series plays out do you think nashville has the ability to to take it to the third game even to to get to that point where it's it's a significant risk of of uh, that first round loss. Yeah, they definitely do. Um, mm-hmm. You know, they again, they have Hani Mukhtar. They're going to have the best player <laughs> right. in the series. So uh, they, they they definitely do. Um, and any road game is is losable mm-hmm. in MLS. I, I think uh, I think this applies to any team uh, in this in this bracket uh, that that you can take it to three. Um, my prediction is Orlando wins the home game and then they draw the the road game and. Uh, Orlando wins the shootout to go 2-0, but they don't have to win the shootout. That's a coin flip, right? Um, mm-hmm. Though I should note, and maybe I'm jinxing them here, Orlando has never lost a PK shootout in franchise history. Uh, they are 8-0 all time, including one against Nashville in the Open Cup. Last year. And so, Nashville's record <laughs> is almost the exact opposite. They've yeah, got a couple, well, but... <laughs> I, I was looking at that because Mukhtar had horrible PK statistics yeah. early in his career, and he's been much better he's great now. recently. Yeah. Um, but uh yeah, we'll see. Uh I would think that uh Orlando might have the mental advantage in a in a penalty shootout. But, yeah. oh, but yeah, and, and again, Nashville's the best defense in the league. It is, mm-hmm. you know, it's not like Orlando was I mean, they're a very good offensive team. They were not an elite offensive team. It's not as if they're gonna, you know, bang down the door. Uh Nashville absolutely has the ability to you know, one, one or nil, nil in the home game for Orlando. And then they win the shootout. And all of a sudden, you know, you're, you're freaking out if you're an Orlando fan. So that's kind of the nature of the MLS playoffs, right? <laughs> yeah. it's, it's chaos. I think from a, from a collective perspective, 
from a form perspective. I, I just I I love that there's an above average starter at every position. They profile as an MLS Cup winner based on the way other mm-hmm. MLS Cup winners have looked in the past. But that doesn't mean anything. Right. When you start playing the games. That's why predictions don't mean jack, right? So <laughs> uh yeah, absolutely. I wouldn't have no hope if I were Nashville. I saw yesterday that about half of brackets have Nashville winning the series. And I think that's a function of no one watching Orlando because they don't have a brand <laughs> star. Um, but yeah. I, I do think, uh, I do think that, that yeah, absolutely Nashville can win. Anybody can win. If, if Red Bulls beat Cincinnati, would it blow me away? Not really. Um, mm-hmm. That's, that's the MLS playoffs for you. It is random, and and the series are going to make it even more exciting. I think we we had superlatives on our show earlier this week, and one of them was most likely to erupt into chaos. And this series, to me, that's the one oh, we, yeah. we chose. Like it's oh yeah, whatever no, happens, it's going to be chaotic. And we said, I don't know if the players are are dumb enough to collect red cards here. Like, but it's going to be yellow card central. And and when that happens, you never know when the reds start coming out, they start, they start coming out. Uh, (laughs) My last referee, right. I mean, it it really, it really can get, get insane. I I think there is uh, every possibility for either team to just fly off the deep end. Uh, last time we we chatted, if I recall correctly, we went to a lovely Italian place in Winter Park, Dax McCarty's hometown, had a good bite to eat. This was middle of last season. So I want to ask you a food-related question to get out of here because Emil Rose is our sponsor, a great sports bar with incredible local beer and great food. If you're you know, an Orlando supporter who's going to be watching the road match at a sports bar or a Nashville supporter going you know, to Emil Rose to watch when the boys in gold go down to Orlando, uh, what are you getting? What's your, what's your sports bar go-to? Oh, for me, uh, I, I I love a, a basket of wings. Can't really go wrong with that. Mm. Um, pulled pork, uh, nachos. Uh, but most importantly, is is a beer that is easy to drink and is not going to prevent me from knowing what's going on in the game. <laughs> <laughs> Low That's, gravity. Uh, if I can Excellent. have that, I'm good. But yeah, yeah. I'd say a, a basket of wings is probably my go-to. Uh, two times hot. How how spicy are you getting here? Well, see, the thing is that, like, medium in Nashville is hot everywhere else. So I have to be (laughs) careful. I went to Prince's when we were there for the playoff game two years ago, and I'm like, yeah, hot. And I walked out. That's a mistake. mistake. Yeah. Yep. That was was an amateur move. Um, But, man, I ate well in Nashville. You guys are – you guys have some incredible food. Uh, So – don't uh, don't take it for granted. We we well, love Nashville. We'll just have to hit it. You you took me to a great spot in Winter Park. Maybe when you're in town here, let's go to Melrose uh, the night before the game, and we can we can uh, you can experience some good wings and good good uh, affordable beer that's still high quality in Melrose. Had good. to get the sponsor read in there. Um, <laughs> go to Melrose, guys. Thanks for listening to this bonus episode. Uh, thanks to Moon Taxi for the music. Thanks to 440 Sports for the platform. Evan, thank you, though, most of all, for your insight. This is going to be really informative. This is a, a good study guide for Nashville supporters getting ready for this series, so we appreciate your time. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. 